Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, and I'm coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of our podcast is for us to share topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, my guest is Tigrilla Gardinia. And every time I say her name, I think of my flowers outside. And when you see her face, you see she is just like this beautiful flower. <laughs> so it's a perfect name for her. We could probably just talk about the origin of everything. But let me just tell you a little bit about her. Her journey began in a polyethnic childhood, and she earned a degree in music and electrical engineering. Oh, right, and left brain, just like my husband. Entered high tech via Real Networks and Microsoft. And she had in those early days that desire to escape the corporate world. Been there, done that. <laughs> That desire became so strong that she soon began to follow her spiritual path. She co-owned a circus, produced intentional dance events, taught Kabbalah, and even toured with the Circus Soleil, Soleil, one of my favorite, favorite things to see. Today, she is as a nature-inspired mentor and leadership coach and she's focused on plant intelligence, the effects of plant music on human health, social innovation, and ecosystem thinking. She has the honor of being a Damanher citizen in Italy, once the largest spiritual echo communities in the world, and her roots are firmly planted in the arts, communication, and avant-garde. She uses expertise to empower creatives, healers, and entrepreneurs who love to return to nature, to take action with confidence, to become conscious leaders of their lives. She's a speaker, a teacher. She has a master's degree in Futuro Vegetable, Vegetal Future, Plants, Social Innovation, designed under Stefano Mancurso, and in the University of Florence. Please join me in welcoming Tigrilla Gardenia. And we're going to talk today about what plants can teach humans about leadership. So welcome Tigrilla. This is gonna be so interesting. I could not wait to get (laughs) you on. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. So first question, always easy icebreaker to get us going here. What part of the country do you now call home? 
I wish it was easy, but it's actually kind of, com it's not complex, it's fun. So I live in the north of Italy, as you said, in one of the largest spiritual eco communities in the world, which is called Dom and Her, or as I lovingly call it, Hogwarts for adults. <laughs> so I'm about 45 minutes outside of Turin and about an hour and a half outside of Milan. Oh, the, nice. At the foothills of the Alps. Ah, uh, been there. Beautiful, beautiful mm. area. So my first question, you know, we talked about all of these things that you're into. And our, again, our topic is how can plants teach humans leadership? So do plants and humans react in the same way when there is a crisis? Well, you know, today, the way human beings tend to react is when there's a crisis, when there's a situation, we kind of react from a place of fear. Mm -hmm. we, re we react from a place of kind of coveting what is. So when there's something that happens, I immediately, my first instinct is to take it to the status quo. Where, where was I and how do I get back to where I am? Where plants instead, um, from what we know about their behavior and when we look at exactly how they create ecosystems, tend to see a crisis as an opportunity. So it's a very different way of looking at it where a plant will look and first start to see, okay, is this a situation of a crisis that involves some kind of major damage? Mm -hmm. And if so, before I decide what to do, I am going to evaluate the situation. So plants have many more senses than we as humans have. So we as humans tend to rely on our five main senses where right. plants have about another 15 beyond that. So about 20 total. And this allows them to very finely tune um, with a very finely tuned um, a measurement, understand what's happening around them. So wow. even the word crisis implies something that's going wrong, where for plants, they'll look at it as what has changed from the way things normally out, uh, uh, operate, what are the feedback loops that I've put in place, and what are they giving me? Mm -hmm. So I have behavior, expected behavior that's not happening. I have feedback loops that give me an understanding of what's happening and that I can read. Yeah. And then they can look and say, how do I adapt to this changed condition? So one of kind of nature's laws, you might say, is to adapt to changing conditions. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's a huge shift, which is not to say that we as humans don't have the ability to do that, but we oftentimes in a crisis don't give ourselves permission yes. to step into our own natural intelligence and do these steps that in some ways that are really innate to who we are. Mm -hmm. And we don't like to do it either. We don't like no. change. <laughs> no, and that's exactly it. It's very interesting to think that we um, tend to say we want change, things need to change and whatever, <laughs> but it's actually not true. Oftentimes what we want is even if something is going badly, mm -hmm. I prefer the bad that I know rather than yes. what might be. Where from a plant's perspective, there isn't this there isn't this need for, for the continuity to be in that way. If there is a situation or if there is a new um, opportunity that comes into a, a, a change in the system, then it's looked at as what can I get out of it? What can, how can I grow from it? How can I improve? And it's been shown time and time again that plants actually grow based on this. Like this is how we have the colors of 
of flowers. It's all about testing because something has gone wrong and okay, wait a minute, let me test another color or let me test another scent or let me test another nectar combination. All of these types of things are responses to crisis. Oh my goodness. That is crazy. So whenever we talk about this, is there, is there some direct correlation in, as a human, you talked about pivoting, you talked about change and, and mm -hmm. adaptability. How hard is it for us to kind of go outside of that comfort zone, outside of that, that known and be mm -hmm. able to accept the unknown? Yeah, this, this is really um, difficult, especially because the way that we have been taught to deal with stuff is to very quickly look for a solution. So a situation happens, a crisis happens, a, a change in, this, in the overall system, and rather than uh, seeing it for what it really is, like, and, and taking that, not just that time, but also letting it sort of sit in and going, okay, what is the impact of it? Um, we often say we have this kind of what we think is human cleverness and the cleverness <laughs> is let me go to the solution first without even fully assessing everything that happened. So, so this is kind of been taught. It's not necessarily actually a natural part of ourselves. It's more of a taught behavior that we are continually, continuously um, perpetuating because of that fear of change. Inherently, when you go into the human being and you start to really talk and understand, you get down to the fact of there's an underlying fear mm -hmm. and the fear is in the fear of the change of the status quo, the fear of the unknown. We as humans have not been taught um, to embrace the unknown. In reality, we, we grew up knowing and we are constantly kind of told that we're supposed to stay one step ahead. We're supposed to know what's coming next. We're supposed to know that if I do A, I get B, you know, I get B. Mm -hmm. If I move in this way, this is what happens. So if I take this job, this is my promotion, promotional ladder. If I do this work as an entrepreneur, this is the reward that's going to come. If I wear this type of clothes, this is the type of response I'm going to go. If I, you know, we're not used to the idea of, I mean, even if you think about the way we cook, we've based everything mm -hmm. back on recipes. Yeah. I hear these steps and this is what I get out of it. Instead of the whole traditional, let me just experiment and see what happens <laughs> and be okay. Now imagine when that's something that has major consequences. Mm. So we see this a lot in business. Most businesses, their major divisions are not able to really innovate. So what they do yeah. is they create secondary small businesses or small departments where they say, I'm going to throw money at you and you can just do whatever you want. And that's where the real innovation comes from. Let me experiment in every play. In a natural setting, this happens all the time. Yeah. There is very few things that are sort of safe, sacrilege, like you don't change them because if you don't change, you don't evolve. And that is the number one goal of nature is hmm. to continuously evolve. That's so true. So many things just came to my mind. Uh, one, when you were talking about the fact that they... That, that plants are okay with taking time to assess. And in this world, especially that we're living in now, everybody wants everything now, 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 now. And 
and they try to, as you said, just go straight to that solution. Mm-hmm. And the other piece that was interesting, I, again, I was thinking of kids when they're just toddlers, they are fine taking their good old time with one thing, trying to figure it out. Right. And, and now I wonder how the kids in this digital age, you know, my three-year-old grandson who can use my phone as good as I can and maybe better, uh, what is what is going to be needed to instill in them this creative and this ability to take their time? Yeah, this is a big topic of conversation in the sort of nature-inspired and nature-based world because we we believe that there's something called nature defi- uh, nature deficit disorder, mm. and many of our children are suffering from this. And yes, there's a large part of that that it's the movement of your body, the going outside, mm-hmm. the spending time, you know, in nature for all of its health benefits yeah. and all of its physical benefits. But there's also the mental and emotional benefits that come from exactly that the Mm. slower mentality the fact that seasons take time to change flowers take time to bloom Mm -hmm. um you know how many children how many of us even grew up experiencing those very slow changes that happen in nature going out every day even myself right behind um right now my computer i have a row of plants and these plants are kind of my some of them are my business partners some of them are just my friends (laughs) and i love taking the time of every day seeing how they change it reminds me in my own business and in my own leadership to invest in the people that work with me, to take the time to let my clients um, speak their truth, to get to their truth. It reminds me of all of those processes that Mm. take time to explore. And so as our children are are lacking that vitamin N, Mm. that vitamin nature, Mm. they are losing. That's why we're seeing more tantrums and why we're seeing more um, instant gratification need and all these different aspects. Because they that contact with their kind of true nature with nature outside of yourself connected to the nature inside means that mm. they're losing that connection to natural processes and cycles and and we see it in business we see yeah. it you know the boss that comes in and says i need an answer now and it's like that's not really possible mm-hmm. yeah it's not possible mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, as I do project management I pro- and the, I ha- I'm on a project right now as a consultant and I want these people to think outside of the box 24 seven and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. And that's where the plants can really help us to remember what are some of the natural cycles that have to mm. happen? The relationship with the seasons, which also affect our own bodies. I know businesses that have changed the way that they work by stepping into a more natural rhythm. You know, mm. when it gets really hot out in the middle of summer, why is it that certain countries used to take siesta? They took siesta because your body naturally slows down, your processes mainly slow down. And so taking that time in the middle of the day was really helpful. In the winter, there's a hibernation. There's a great opportunity for reviewing what has been coming in. Um, What have you done to be able to process that, understand it, and then get ready, put everything in place so that in the spring, you can start up again. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so when we start to really connect and look at the way that plants plan from, you know, seed all the way to full mat maturity to when they let, they, they start producing seeds to all these different pieces helps us better understand our, our rhythms. And in reality, ten, we tend to be more efficient to them. Because where when we're running, we trip, we make mistakes, we yeah. skip things, we do things, and that kind of continuously sets us back. When we take that time and we go through those steps, even if you go through those steps rather quickly, but at least you go through them and you consciously go through them, you find yourself being much more efficient. And over time, the process has a bigger return on investment. Also, very interesting. It makes perfect sense to me. My goodness. Uh, you know, we talked about business, but how can plants teach us to have healthy relationships? Uh, this is one of my favorite stories. So most of us don't realize, um, because again, we've lost, if we go outside, mm -hmm. you rarely see a plant growing by themselves right? Mm -hmm. You have, even if you have a tree, that single right outside my window, have a huge, beautiful silver fir, beautiful silver fir, but around there's grasses, there's chickweed, there's all kinds, there's dandelions, there's what, there's all these plants. So in reality, all plants have to have relationships with other plants, as well as with the different animals that pass by, even the soil, even your house plant that's living in a pot has a relationship with all the other house plants in your house and has a relationship with the soil and such. But more importantly than that, when we start to go into these relationships, we realize that there are multiple kinds of relationships. There's what we call commensalisms or mutualisms. And these are just fancy ways of saying, you know, I am uh, in a relationship where I get something out of it and the other person doesn't, for example, or both of us get a net benefit, or even maybe where I get a benefit and another person suffers. Mm. And when you start to really study the way plants create these different relationships, you start to understand that all these relationships can be good. Even a parasite can actually be a good thing if it's done in certain ways and for certain amounts mm -hmm. of time. I'll give you an example from a human perspective parenting i was just you have, thinking, a, just going you right have a parasite pretty much for <laughs> at a minimum 18 years if not longer right my mind but, went right there <laughs> and exactly when we start to sit down and think about them those are the extremes and that's the one that's kind of easiest to be okay mm -hmm. but how many of us have also had situations where maybe for a short period of time a neighbor a relative, a very good friend has fallen on hard times and we have chosen to support them, maybe economically, maybe having them move in, having them do these things. That is also a form of parasitism, but mm -hmm. it's positive because there's an overarching kind of connection that allows a benefit to happen over time for right. both of you in mm -hmm. different ways. Mm -hmm. So if I was to look at this from a business perspective, I could look and be like, okay, what are, you know, if you look at the marketing team, right, it has a cost and it has a benefit. So maybe that's mutually beneficial. I'm the department mm -hmm. that maybe builds the product and then I'm the marketing team. Mutually beneficial, two different things, they support each other. But then you have like your customer support 
And that in some ways is a parasite to the company, right? right? They take resources all the time. And they so when you start to understand the relationships plants have, you start to understand how you could better optimize them. How long should they last before they should be revised? How can they be um, done in the optimal way? You start to understand that all these types of relationships, even those that we have in our, even com um, competition, from a natural perspective, competition exists, but it's actually much, much less than you think. We tend to think that competition makes the world go round, and it's actually not true. On a natural, from a nature's perspective, it's actually mutualisms that make the world go around with mm. selective competition in order to create those crises that we need mm -hmm. to enhance and introduce new opportunities. Yeah. So when we start to look at this, we start to realize that whether it's in our own personal relationships, like our friends. So not everybody who takes from me is bad or wrong. It depends on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And it gives me the opportunity to recognize that all of this could be natural if I take a step back and I look at it. Now, that doesn't mean you should let somebody like walk all over you. That's not the <laughs> point. But the point is to understand, is this a temporary situation, mm -hmm. for example? Is this a situation that has a series of parameters like you would see in nature? Okay, then this is good. And when those parameters change, I need to change the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it helps us better um, assess what's happening to take away that judgment and that fear that we have been taught and to look at something for what it really is taking the approach that if I start with the idea that this could be healthy, if done in a healthy way, mm. what would a healthy way of a parasitism or competition or commensalism or all these other terms that I'm not going to go into too in detail, but what do those look like in mm -hmm. a healthy relationship? And yeah. it helps us just reshift sometimes a little bit. It's our minds. Sometimes it's a little bit behavior. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. And that often the crisis is really necessary for us to say, okay, something has to change. Exactly. We get in our comfort zone and we think everything's wonderful in that comfort zone, but we don't grow. We don't develop. We don't evolve. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, like I said, from a nature perspective, you have these two, let's say two plants that are growing right next to each other and they're doing really well and all this happens. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, the, the amount of pollinators come out like lowers because of something else. And these two go into competition, but that competition might push one of them to change the pollinator that's being attracted. Mm. So that competition creates the opportunity for rather than them two competing for the same pollinator, one of them to go for a different pollinator and the other one to stay with the pollinator that currents there. So it helps us understand that done in the right way and not done to the death, but done in order to instill a change, a comp com competitive environment can be positive, but mm -hmm. competition can't last long-term because long-term competition kills. Yeah. So it helps us understand that some of the rules we have created in, in our world and some of the understandings that we have, like Darwin never said survival of the fittest. Dar Darwin said survival of the fit who was fit enough to stay, but wow. that doesn't mean taking anybody else down. It means I'm doing well enough to survive. Hey, help, come on, you too, come, come to the level <laughs> to survive too, to do well so that we can all thrive. Yeah. Not I'm going to thrive and you're going to go down. Exactly.
Awesome. So how can help, how can plants help me discover what my purpose is? <laughs> and this is a place where we started to start to move into a few different things. We know that plants work and whether we're talking about looking out into a landscape where of course 85% of the mass of the planet is plants, mm -hmm. or whether I'm even just looking at and the plants that are sitting on my windowsill, plants evoke a sense of awe and wonder. The natural world in general triggers something that even from a scientific perspective is called awe. And awe triggers a whole set of chemical reactions. So I could go very spiritual on this topic and I can go very secular scientific on this topic. Both of them honestly get us to the same place. <laughs> from a spiritual perspective, the relationship with another being, with a plant that really helps us enter into a new way of thinking, a new logic, triggers my opportunity to see myself outside of the way that society, that human society has sort of labeled me. Mm -hmm. It allows me to enter into parts of myself. They have this, you know, their unique way of thinking, of being, of existing, and yet part of the natural world of which I am a part of helps me see myself as a mirror and gives me this permission to explore this untapped part of myself that comes from a different way of thinking. From a scientific perspective, we can say that awe triggers a whole set of chemical reactions in us that allows us and permits us to see the world with more enthusiasm, with more optimism. We're more altruistic even when we're in nature. And this chemical reaction then allows me to connect into parts of myself that I might struggle with doing when I'm only in a logical action-based mentality, wow. which is mainly how we are. So the awe gives us this serotonin dump. It, it decreases cortisol levels. It allows us to feel less stress. And in those moments of less stress, we're able to then slow down. Mm -hmm. And in that slowing down, now I flood my body with a whole series of chemicals that come from also the air and the relationship with plants that enhance my wellness and my well-being. And there you have a clearer mind to mm -hmm. then explore some big topics such as your, your purpose. Mm -hmm. So whether you, you're going at it because I'm connecting into plants, I'm communicating with plants, I'm listening to their logic and I'm allowing myself to see my logic in a different way, or whether it's my chemical body that is reaction and lowering my stress levels and in opening my awareness and mm -hmm. allowing me to see the world with greater clarity and to therefore see myself with greater clarity. It doesn't matter because you're going right. to get to this point, which is the fact that I feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. I feel better about the world around me and I can see things. Yes. I also see the, the bad things that are happening, but I don't look at them as catastrophes. I see them as an opportunity and I start to then understand or explore more clearly what is my role in mm. what is happening what is my purpose or how am i supposed to interact with what i'm happening what is happening looking at it not as an adversarial relationship but instead as the idea of how do i create an ecosystem in which I am a part of this planet, or mm. I am a part of whatever ecosystem is around me, and I am part of that system. So what my actions, what actions I take will trigger 
what happens in that mm-hmm. ecosystem and vice versa. Right. And that is, those are those steps that we start to take towards getting to what is our purpose? What is our mission? What are we here to accomplish? Yeah. I think it also ties to accountability awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely, because that relationship with the planet, and this is why that vitamin N, sort of that vitamin nature piece is so important, it reminds us that we are part of the planet. And therefore, you don't have to have an external um, accountability. Your Mm -hmm. accountability is to yourself, because as you move forward and you do things, you realize that the consequences always come back to you because Mm -hmm. you're a part of the greater system. Wow. This is really very interesting. Love this. We are at the point now where I just do some rapid fire questions, which are just, excuse me, a phrase or a word, just top of your mind, whatever comes answering in it, just real short answer. So the plants of choice inside your home would be? The plants of choice, the ones that are here, spider plants, um, so the spider plant's big one, Noel the Christmas cactus, peace lily, and of course the gardenia. Well, there's actually a gardenia yeah. also outside, but the gardenia. Uh, I have a gardenia outside too. Yay! <laughs> and I have cactuses. I have plants in front of my computer too, so it's so, so funny. And, and I do, you know, I keep plants in my house because it does make me feel better. And I exactly. love caring for them as if they were my children that are no longer in the house. (laughs) Absolutely. I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. All right. Best lesson you've learned so far. Ooh, best lesson I've learned so far. I would say that my best lesson I've learned so far is to give myself permission to think outside the box, not think outside the box as in like, I must not think like others, but more of like, whatever the thinking that's coming to me right now, no matter how crazy it might be, (laughs) it might seem, write it down, get it, look at it, give yourself time to receive it. So, and then separate from the receiving part, give yourself then some time to kind of forget that you received it and then go back and look at it and analyze it and understand it. So it's that permission to receive whatever might come, no matter how ridiculous you might sound, to be the one that stands up in a meeting and says, hey, you just said this and it triggered the idea of, I don't know, we should make red cornflakes and have them served to all the children that, are, you know, it might seem silly, but then the person might be like, hey, are you sure you meant this? But what about this, 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 and this? And then all of a sudden it comes. Yeah. So really allowing that craziness or that unusualness to come in and then giving it time to just settle and then going and analyzing it along with others. Definitely a good tactic for brainstorming for meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which people have a hard time with that. What legacy would you like to leave? My legacy that I would want to leave is really that each person discovers their inner plantness, the ability for you to connect and remember and not remember to live and embody the fact that we have three ways to interact with nature. We can, ex- we can experience nature, we can look at it, we can look at it, we can be nature, and we can also participate in nature. Mm-hmm. So the remind- reminder that these always, my experiences in nature are mirrors of what is inside of myself. And therefore always remembering that I am nature. Very good. One of the things that 
you talk about in your bio that we didn't discuss is BAM Foundation. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about BAM Foundation. So the BAM Foundation is a foundation for basically civic bio-inspired living. And it's um, a wonderful organization that I feel so proud to be a part of because it is really the idea that in order for us to be socially responsible, we have to reconnect to our biological, to our um to our physical ways of being, to nature in so many mm -hmm. aspects. And this is at 360 degrees. So the idea of civic responsibility being more than just politics in a vacuum, or the idea of bio-inspired innovation being just products and design, but the idea that we need to relook at organic ways of living mm. our lives, natural ways of living our lives. Now, that doesn't mean everybody needs to go out to the countryside and become a, a farmer. <laughs> I'm not advocating that. And the contrary, in my favorite things is seeing how nature can inspire our cities, the whole nature inspired city, mm -hmm. the city that really you feel completely connected to. And there's so much, it's a whole other podcast episode where we can talk <laughs> about that. Yeah. And so BAM is really helping us understand that civic responsibility and that um, bio-inspired innovation are two things that are one of two sides of the same coin and that we really need to go back to our natural roots to then build out societies mm -hmm. of the future that help us feel connected and, rather than disconnected. Yeah, definitely. The next and actually the last one, favorite <gasps> spot to renew and refresh favorite spots to renew and refresh. That's a hard one because I live in kind of a little bit of a paradise for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My favorite spot to renew and refresh probably right now is I have a deep, deep, deep love for grasses. Believe it or not, I love mm. grass. So I feel completely renewed lying in an open field filled with wild grasses. Like, it's just a, this feeling. If I ever see, you know, like I'm, I live right now, I have a huge meadow in front of me leading to a river and there's a gorgeous tree, Gary, the, the uh, silver fir. But when I go outside, I will say hello to Gary and then bypass Gary probably and just go out and lie in the field mm -hmm. only after the cows have been gone for at least a month. <laughs> because the yeah. cows love these these fields just as much as I do <laughs> this is pasture for them <laughs> but but once they're gone for more than a month then I love it and I love all the wildflowers that come up and just lying mm. on the grass and seeing how grass is never it's it's very strange unless you're talking about a lawn which is not to me the same but you don't see one type of grass. You see mm -hmm. always so many different kinds of plants inside grass. You see dandelions and chickweed and you see, you know, purslane and you see uh, all the wild variations of, of, um, of garlic and of all these other kinds of plants that just spontaneously come up, all yeah. the different types of flowers and such. And there's something about lying with them immersed in this environment and feeling like my whole body is sort of held by the earth that for me just instantly recharges me. And again, it takes you back to your childhood when you naturally would lay in the grass and just look up at the stars, the clouds. Exactly. 
Exactly. And if I have a canopy of trees above me, even better. Like yeah. Those, uh, just looking up at the sky through the oh, canopy of trees. One of my favorite things to do. Absolutely. Awesome. So wonderful. Yep. Oh my goodness. It, cute story before we end. My mom grew up on a farm and she had a cow and they had, a, you know, the fields and they had garlic in those fields naturally growing and mm -hmm. the cow loved garlic and they couldn't use the milk because it tasted like garlic. Garlic milk. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. <gasps> now you make me wonder, I should go ask the farmers down there because they have all the, there's a one period of the year, we're kind of at the end of that tail of that season where all the wild garlic comes up. I wonder if those cows get loose into the wild garlic. I don't know. Now I'm curious. That was Maybe that's how you make garlicky story. cheese. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But that's the story they always told us. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. I'm sure you all that are listening have been fascinated and want to know more about how to get in touch with Gorilla. And so I'm going to share uh, her contact information and, and she'll talk a little bit about the gift she has. And for those of you that are just listening to the audio, I will take the time to read at least her email address so that you can get in touch with her. But it is <clears throat> includes also her Facebook and her Instagram and LinkedIn. The email address is T-I-G-R-I-L-L-A at T-I-G-R-I-L-L-A-G-A-R-D-E-N-I-A.com. So her first name at her first and last name.com. Very easy. I try to make it easy. Yes. And the website is also very easy. It's our first and last name.com. So www.tigrillagardenia.com. And the book that you see here is just um, how I want to promote the fact that I have a book that came out and I'm one of 21 author authors. But if we can just go back. And if you just want to take a moment to talk about your gift of discover your spring wild plants. Yeah. So this is a uh, quiz to find awesome. who your wild. So we talk so much about spirit animals, but we don't really talk about uh, spirit plants and especially wild plants. Some people call them um, weeds. I call them wild plants. And so this allows you to go through a short quiz, which will help you identify your spirit wild plant. What is the wild plant? So dandelion or cattails, also called bulrush. Oh. Like what is the wild plant that in this moment wants to have a relationship with you and wants to help you develop your relationship with plants? So it's a wonderful quiz. It'll give you an answer. It'll help you understand why. It'll give you some meditation and some other parts. And I also have up on, on Insight Timer, the ability for you to go on a deeper meditation with these plants. Very cool. So if you want to get her quiz, you would go to https colon forward slash forward slash again, first and last name, T-I-G-R-I-L-L-A-G-A-R-D-E-N-I-A.com slash what's W-A-T W-H-A-T dash S dash Y-O-U-R dash S-P-I-R-I-T dash W-I-L-D dash P-L-A-N-T. So what's 
your spirit wild plant. Excellent. So it has been such a pleasure to talk with you. If you want to get in touch with Tagrilla, please go to her website, first name, last name, and check out all that she has there. Check out her Facebook and LinkedIn sites and Instagram. Take that quiz, take advantage of that. And you can come back to uh, my Facebook page and tell, let me know what you thought of the quiz too. I'd love to hear your comments back about that. But it's been just such a pleasure and I definitely would love to have you come back and we can talk about all the other things that we didn't have time <laughs> to discuss today. As always, I appreciate you uh, giving your time to me. And until next time, remember life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.